Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And welcome to episode 363 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Ray, how are you doing? Hello, I am good, thank you. It is good to be back onto a regular episode. It's like it's been ages. <laughs> well, it has been ages because we've had like special episodes and we've been off and yeah, it's been all over the place. So yes, I'm glad to be back. So what have you been up to since you were last on? There's been so much, but I'm, I'm going to focus on the last few weeks. I think um, some of our listeners would like to know what I've been watching from months and months back. But some things that I'm really, really into or just started to get to watch as we as we go to that warm, cosy Christmas season where we watch all the great specials. The first one is, I'm obsessed with this, Dave. Just please calm me down. <laughs> the Traitors. <laughs> the Traitors on BBC One. Claudia Winkerman as the host. I mean, it is hands down one of the best reality shows I have ever, ever watched. It, it, it's got vibes of like the first season of Big Brother or the first season of The Apprentice about it because... They were incredible. And this is so good. The The cast is so diverse. It's not about looking pretty. It's not about romances. It's not um, manufactured too much. It's very psychological. I'm going to explain the premise without giving too much away. Yes. Um, but So 22 people arrive in this castle in Scotland and Claudia meets them all. And the idea is they're going to work together as a team to build up the prize pot. And at the end, someone's going to walk away with all the money they've won, up to £120,000. Yes. But she has planted within the 22, she's interviewed them all and decided three of them will be traitors. <laughs> and these traitors, each night, very camp as it is, kill one of the faithfuls, the ones that aren't traitors, to just try and slim down the pot and the potential prize winners. And then in the day, when they do the competitions, Everyone has to sit around a boardroom and vote out who they think is a traitor. And it's about how can you convince someone you're not backstabbing them while backstabbing them, <laughs> but also while trying to convince them you are. Oh, it is it's brilliant. And there are some great memes coming out of it already. There's an absolute brilliant set of characters. And obviously, these are just your standard off the street people. But some of them are just iconic characters already. And I will shut up soon. But if, if you haven't watched it, up till now, six episodes have been up on BBC iPlayer. The seventh episode goes out today, if you're listening to this, on the Tuesday. And it, we've got episodes eight and nine on Thursday and Friday this week. And Claudia Winkerman is, this is her, her winning posting duty. You know, I've yeah. never seen her so good. She's camp. She plays up to the the, the, the scenes and the camera and 
as you can say, I'm as you, I'm really obsessed with it already. <laughs> um, so I know you haven't caught it yet, have you, Dave? No. I would wreck it. Yeah, it really snuck up on me this one because it seems to have exploded into this like huge, huge thing. I mean, it sounds like the perfect gig for Claudia Winkleman. I saw a yeah. little clip of it because she was on Graham Norton a few weeks ago and she was plugging it and they were saying how good it was and Graham was going, this is brilliant. So yeah. I think it's a really wonderful idea because that's always been the problem is your Love Island things are just ten a penny these days and one of the beauties of that original Big Brother thing was the, the psychological experiment side of it because yeah. which doesn't really work in the later episodes because everybody knows why they're there and with this that's sort of baked into the whole premise of it you know that you're going to be there and you know that there is a, a psychological twist to the whole thing of the fact that some of them are going to be traitors so so it's a really genius setup and premise for a reality show. I do really like the idea of it. You know, I you know we're reality TV. I tend to steer clear of it in most cases, but but I do rather like the sound of this. I think it's a really intriguing idea, and Claudia Winkleman seems like the perfect person to be hosting it. So it's a little bit of a frustrating bit, Dave, because you'll know this. We recorded our Geek Town Awards last week, and I've worked out that the first episode was screened in November, so the <laughs> traitors could technically have been within the the voting for yeah. this year but the majority of it is airing in December so I really hope a second season gets commissioned and we can push it to next year to be in the, the category you know I love to put out there structured reality category yeah. because by word it's going to have a huge following maybe a lot of my followers but like I've just seen so many people I'm going into work each day telling people to watch it there's a Twitter version of it going on <laughs> it is really becoming that of the moment TV series and I don't know how the BBC do it and you know we talk about it a lot about the BBC are struggling with the government's current views on them and I know Matt who obviously co-hosts with us doesn't always watch BBC shows because he, he's like he likes the streaming services that are on there but they sometimes find things that that are like little gems and because they they let this out very subtly with not much like fanfare and then they've noticed it's become really intense and really favorable the promotion has started increasing i'm seeing it on magazines i'm seeing it like extra adverts coming up on the tv shows and between bbc and on podcasts and so i'm like they have suddenly realized what a gem they've got because of the traction it's getting and yeah, hands up to the BBC for that one. An absolutely blinding commission. Do not lose it to Channel 4 in a few years' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's based on a Dutch format, I think, originally, mm. which is is where a lot of these things sort of come out of. I mean, you know, Big Brother was, was the same, came out of a European format, and they've done it with a few of them. But whoever's commissioning this sort of stuff for the BBC, the reality stuff that they tend to lean towards seems to be a lot better thought through mm. than a lot of the other channels. So, yeah. Yeah, I hopefully they manage to keep hold of it and uh, that that will be good but Yes. Okay, and I'll calm down now. So that is, I am now a traitor stand. So come and talk to me if you want any more. What else have I been watching? I suppose <laughs> this is the next thing. So I am currently started one episode of American Horror Story NYC. Now this comes as someone who hasn't watched American Horror Story since season one and two. Right. I sort of stopped. Um, I'm watching it for Russell Tovey. I think he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. A huge fan of his. So started watching it. It's all right at the moment. I think I need to get a couple of episodes in. I'm just one episode in, and I was I'm a bit like. 
like, is this just a procedural type setup? That's what it feels like at the moment. I'm quite intrigued by it. So I'm enjoying that. I started watching Ghost US thinking I'd zip through six to eight episodes in a couple of days and realized it's not six to eight episodes. <laughs> They've made season one 17, I think. Something or 17 like that. Or eight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's and, full American seasons they are. Yeah. yeah it's, but I mean, they've done quite well, but they're borrowing on a lot of storylines from across all four seasons of the UK one. And I just wonder where they're going to go with it mm-hmm. if it continues to get commissioned. I think the UK one, I think this is what UK does so well with our comedy sometimes. We keep it condensed. Yeah, we keep mm-hmm. it six episodes and there may be a Christmas special or sort of thing. And, and that's how we sort of get that good quality and to continue. And I think the US ghosts have got a good setup, but I think they've used all the good ideas really quickly in season one. Yes. So I wonder where they're going to go with it as they move on. And I can imagine they've got to bring in lots of new casts and things like that because American, they recycle themselves quickly. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one that I haven't caught the US version yet because it was announced when I was away and then I've been catching up on things since I got back. So I haven't actually got to it yet, but I do want to take a look at it because I like the leads in it. And I, I did wonder whether that was going to be the case, how much of the UK version they had actually used. Cause I know they've transposed some of the characters, but not all of them. There are some variations. It could be one of those things. That's a bit like the U S office where it actually it finds its own feet and has a lot more episodes and moves on on its own. Mm. I think there is potential there. It seems to have been going down very, very well in the US. Yes. Second season is going out at the moment in the US, which I think is a full 22 episode season. I don't think it's officially been renewed for a third, but I, uh. I, I, I think it only started in September. So you probably won't get the renewals until April-ish next year anyway, mm. you know, when they do all their renewals and cancellations. But I think the numbers are still very strong for it. So it's very likely... I think they will recommission that again. It's going to be very interesting to see what the second season's like, if it has yeah, managed to see where they borrow. Up. And if they've recycled a lot of stuff like American seasons like to do, how they manage that, because the British season... I think in the four they've had, they've just lost one regular cast member. And that was literally the penultimate episode of the last season. Yeah. So how will the Americans cope with that when they do have a, a really like a revolving door of actors sometimes? But um, yes, I watched that one. And another thing I've been watching is a reboot, which is on Disney Plus, which is a sitcom about the reboot of a TV show. And the original actors go back to be in the reboot. And what I am finding so similar, and I, I do not think the writing team is similar, um, is the program episodes which starred Matt LeBlanc for about five, six years ago. I think I'm going mad, but I even feel like the stings and the sound bites between <laughs> the edits sound the same. And because they've got a similar plot line, you could almost believe they're from the same writers. It's got a very similar feel to it. Right. Um, and w- if you think about it, like episodes was about a British writing pair who go to Hollywood to write the American version of something. And this is about a modern day writer brought in to reboot a sitcom for a modern audience. And so there's a similarity in an overarching storyline. And I'm just seeing that similarity. And if anyone else watches it and wants to comment that they see the same similarities, do let me know and make sure I'm not going mad. If we can drill down, maybe there's a sound (laughs) editor that worked on both of them, possibly. (laughs) That, that's my theory anyway yeah, uh, it I, stars keegan michael key and it's yeah 
Yeah, that's another one that I, I actually wanted to go and check out because it sounded very much my sort of thing. The guy that actually wrote it is the the guy that came up with Modern Family. He's the person behind it, which again has that sort of slightly behind the scenes feel to it, the Modern mm-hmm. Family thing with the documentary filmmaking. So I guess yeah. there's, there's a sort of part of that. But um, Keegan-Michael Key, Johnny Knoxville, Rachel Bloom, Paul Reisner is in there. There's a solid enough cast for it. It's a really good cast, yeah. Decent enough writer. She's one that I want to go and look at it's a hulu series in the us so i don't know whether it's gonna get renewed or not we haven't heard anything yet but um hulu in the us disney hopefully it'll come back but fingers crossed is that all gone out yet or is that going out weekly that one it's all been dropped on disney plus i right. believe i'm about five episodes in um i've got a few more to finish um i'm not enjoying it as much as some of the other american sitcoms that i've been through like Abbott elementary which i inhaled but um i'm enjoying it nonetheless it's just nothing i'm not jumping back to yeah and speaking of things i finished five Finally, or really quickly in one of them. So Two Doors Down, that dropped uh, as a sitcom on BBC iPlayer based in Scotland. Dropped those episodes. I binged them in two days. Um, lost one of its lead actors, Dune McKeegan. She is from Smack the Pony fame back in the day. Right, she yeah. was an absolutely obnoxious character. She unfortunately left. I think the demands of filming up there for so many months of the year when she actually lives in London was, um, to, I think that was the storyline I read. She decided to leave on good terms. Right. But, you know, really good what they've done with replacing her. Um, I also binged Blockbuster on Netflix. Um, I know that came out in late October now, but um, I finished that in a couple of days as well. That's really good. I do sort of love those sort of sitcoms where you've got such a plethora of cast, but led by one or two. And obviously both of those have come from their own sitcoms. Um, if you think Fumero uh, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and obviously Randall Park from Fresh Off the Boat and obviously we now know him from the Marvel Universe. I just think they when they cut, it's, it's quite nice. It's quite a good comedy. I don't know how long, how many seasons it's got ahead of it. I'm sure Netflix will probably give it two at a minimum, maybe a third, but surprise, surprise, if they cancel it normally, I'll probably say that and I'll put a curse on it now. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Harmless fun. Nice little sitcom. And I finally, my partner will be Thanking the Lord, I finally finished Stranger Things season three. <laughs> so I can now watch season four and hopefully finish season four in the time for season five. Um, I really did enjoy watching season three, quite dark, um, a lot more action than season two. Yeah. And so finally got there, excited to see what season four brings. I'm sorry, I'm so slow. And I still have got on my list Slow Horses season two and Strike. Those are my absolute priorities before we get into the Christmas all the specials and that. Anyway, I'm sorry, I've gone on for so long. There's a lot (laughs) about the traitors. Dave, what have you been doing in the last week? Well, I actually watched a film, which is (laughs) a rarity these days because I (laughs) very rarely get out to the cinema. So all the stuff that I tend to watch tends to be on streaming services and stuff. But Black Adam came out to actually buy on the Sky Store and I thought, what the hell, I'll I'll pick up a copy because I want to see it. I mean, have you seen this one yet? I don't know whether you got no. around to it. You know, I was unwell when my friend wanted to go and see it. So I actually said no, because I was unwell. And by then I'd heard the initial reviews, shall I say. And so it wasn't spurring me to go and see it. But please tell me if you think it's different from what I've heard. Well, I certainly don't think it deserves quite as much as the criticism as it gets. I, I, oh. think, I think that's that's been a little harsh i mean it's not up there with some of the marvel movies it's not as good as some of the best dc films but it's a perfectly serviceable fun sort of take your brain out for a couple of hours and sit and watch a silly superhero film i mean it's perfectly fine it's got
got it has got quite a nice sort of little twist towards the end of it as well. Um, they really don't spend enough time putting any kind of character development into it. Unfortunately, I would have liked to have seen them kind of focus a bit more. You're sort of introduced to how Black Adam first appears you know which i mean if you've read the comic books you know sort of the backstory of this is he ended up being a champion and then he was sort of imprisoned he was given the powers of shazam it went wildly out of control and he ends up being imprisoned by the wizards so that sort of same setup it tweaks slightly but that basic setup is the same he's then awoken by somebody in present day in kandak and there's a crown which is a MacGuffin, which is sort of a thing that they're going after which has unlimited power or is supposed to give the user an amount of unlimited power so they're trying to stop the crown from getting into the wrong hands and when they get to the tomb where the crown is they get caught and she ends up waking black adam instead and black adam appears and starts taking out people he's very much set up as a not as an out and out bad guy he's set up as not evil as well which which is kind of how he is in the comic book. He can be vicious and can be violent. He's in that Punisher sort of area of not entirely one thing or another. I mean, generally, he leans more on the villain side in the books, but not always. You know, there is a sort of clear purpose to him in that he is the defender of Kandak and he is basically told if you leave Kandak then will set every superhero in the world on you, basically. So that sort of characterization is basically the same. You have got the Justice Society in there. And again, there's not really an awful lot of character building in that. You've got Aldous Hodge playing Hawkman. You've got Pierce Brosnan playing Dr. Fate. There's a couple of younger actors who are playing Atom Smasher and Cyclone is the other one as well. Those are the sort of four Justice Society people that you've got. Um, They're all fine and the characterizations are okay. You just don't get an awful lot of background. The entire film is very much sort of fight set piece, little bit of plot, fight set piece, little bit of plot, fight set piece. You know, it's it's like that all the Uh. way through. I wouldn't say necessarily rush out and go and watch it, but certainly if it pops up on a streaming service, for free and you're looking for something to spend your time with for a couple of hours and you like superhero films there's no reason why you shouldn't go and stick this on for it i mean i think it is about two hours long okay there's no reason why you couldn't just sort of watch your way through it dwayne johnson i think is well cast in the role of black adam i mean you know he has a long history with that role of wanting that part so i think that's absolutely fine is its connection to shazam really explicit or is it just implied you see no and there are sort of issues issues with the sort of wider world of DC where it's somebody with the power of Shazam in an evil side and you've got this kind of justice society team that are coming to try and stop him but the two people they don't bring along are either Superman or Shazam and you kind of think surely if you've got somebody that's perceived to be a villain of that sort of level wouldn't you bring a couple of big guns along with them I mean Mm. so there are some oddities like that we're going to get into a bit more about the whole DC thing because there's a few things that happened with DC recently Uh, so we're going to talk a bit about that later but yeah I mean Overall, I would say because, I mean, I heard all the same things that you did. I don't think it is anywhere near as bad as people are making it out. It is. 
it's not great either. I mean, it's not like completely up there. You must go and see this, but it's perfectly fine, serviceable superhero film with lots of action sequences and flashy special effects. I mean, it's, it's perfectly okay. Okay. But I wouldn't necessarily rush out and buy it. But if it pops up on a streaming service, it will keep you entertained for a couple of hours. I think it's a plain watching movie, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I watched this week was Stage Season 3, which I know a lot of people don't have access to it is available on Britbox UK because annoyingly they did a deal with Britbox for the third season so it is on Britbox UK Britbox as actually being sort of integrated into ITVX it's weird it's its own service still but he's also part of ITVX for exactly the same price and if you have ITVX premium because ITVX is free the new streaming service which of course launched last week that's a free service but it has a premium service which is five ninety nine a month or fifty nine pounds a year, which is exactly the same price as Britbox. And if you have ITVX Premium, it takes all the ads off ITV as well as giving you all the Britbox content. So why on earth you'd stick with Britbox UK and not just cancel it and get an ITVX subscription? I, I have no idea. So by the way, if you have got a Britbox UK account and are going to do that, cancel your Britbox UK account first because they give you a discount code when you cancel it, which actually makes it three ninety nine a month for a year rather than five ninety nine a month. So you save two pound a month by cancelling your Britbox subscription and then going over and signing up for ITVX and getting all the same content. So that's basically what I did. I signed up for an ITVX premium account and ditched my BritBox UK subscription and watched it on that. The ITVX app is slightly better than the BritBox one in that it will actually stream to my TV, which the BritBox one wouldn't. It's still a little bit flaky, but I'm hoping at some point in the not too distant future, it actually, they put an ITVX app onto the Skybox, which is would be the most useful thing that they could do. Yeah, we've got one on our Fire Stick. The new app has appeared on our Fire Stick and it did a bit of transition from the ITV hub. And it is already, usability has gone up a lot. I mean, I haven't used it loads, but just from the couple of times I have gone in there to use it, I've been thoroughly impressed with the changes they've made to that awful, awful ITV Hub platform. (laughs) Right, yes. I imagine it was better than the ITV Hub and it certainly has been better than the BritBox We're taking a look. As I say, ITVX as a basic service is entirely free. But if you want stuff like the BritBox content, then you need an ITVX premium subscription, which takes away all the ads from ITVX and also gives you all the BritBox stuff as well. So one of the things on the premium side, on the BritBox side, is Stage Season 3. I'm going to give away a little bit of Stage Season 3 just in terms of the plotting because it gets very meta and it's very difficult to talk about it without explaining what happens three episodes in. So it's six episodes in total. The two first episodes are David and Michael back with Simon. Simon's trying to get them to do another show, which they eventually get cajoled into doing and agree to do it. They start off and that sort of runs over the first two episodes. At the end of the second episode, Michael basically storms out of a meeting and turns his camera off. And then Simon apparently leaves the production. So then it gets very meta and turns into a documentary series about what happened with stage season three. But the genius of doing that is allows them to change the format and not just do everything through Zoom meetings. So the idea at that point is that 
Georgia is exec producing this documentary and it then becomes her sticking cameras all over the place to film things as Michael and David meet and interact with each other. And there's sort of talk about, will they finish the third season or not? Shall they try and write it themselves? That sort of stuff. So it allows them to actually interact in the real world, just more through hidden cameras, as opposed to it just being over Zoom, which of course is what they did in the original two seasons. Mm. It's still very, very funny. It's incredibly enjoyable. And it is well worth watching. The first two seasons are on there as well. If you haven't watched it, it is genius. The first two seasons are great. The entire premise of it is it's basically uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen trying to rehearse a play over Zoom is the setup for the first season. And the second season sort of continues that sort of thing. And then this third season goes in a slightly different direction. I'm assuming you've not checked this out because you don't have a Britbox no, subscription. No, I didn't realise it was um, back on there. I knew that it was coming. I'd read the article about it coming. I didn't realise it was coming onto BritBox. I would have waited for it to the advertiser to pop up on iPlayer. But now I know it's there and I've got ITVX. I'm going to go across and try and watch it. Yeah, as I say, you will need a premium subscription because it is on the BritBox content and you can only get mm. that with a premium subscription. But that's basically $5.99 a month and there is a seven-day free trial for premium as well. So you can go on and get that and maybe binge through it because it is all up there. So you can go and binge through some of the premium stuff. And um, if you like it, keep it. If you don't, then turn it off again. It is worth going to check out on ITVX. And that's stage season three. Also started Slow Horses season two as well, which I'm very much enjoying. First season of that was superb. Second season is pretty much a continuation of the cast from the first. There's a few cast changes after the events of season one. And the setup is basically the same. There's a sort of also runs of MI5 and there is an old agent that he's killed and that brings Lamb which is Gary Oldman's character into the story as he tries to sort of investigate because they trying to work out whether it was a murder or whether the guy died of natural causes and that's sort of where the story starts off this season very much enjoying that it's coming back for I think two more seasons I think they've renewed it for already I think because they, yeah. they'd already shot the they shot the first and second season together and I think they're shooting seasons three and four together and uh, from what Gary Oldman's been saying it sounds like this may be his last acting gig as well he's basically said this is possibly the note that I go out on I'm quite happy to end my acting career here so wow if you like Gary Oldman go and check him out in this because this might mm. be the last thing you see it is really good it's really good I binged that first season and I know that it's dropping weekly the second season so I might start that with a, with a two episode watch and then build up from there but no I'm really excited to watch that I thought it was really well done yeah it was it's really really good and uh, well worth checking out Strike came back as well last night. All the episodes are actually up on iPlayer, but uh, that's Strike Trouble Blood, which is the latest adaptation of the Strike novels. I'm really enjoying this one. I actually binged through two and a half episodes. I might have even done three. I can't remember, but I put it on last night when it, it started and was so invested in the first one that I went straight and watched the second one. So I'm really bombing my way through those. It's slightly different to some of the others because it's completely based around a cold case so strikes away sort of on holiday sort of visiting relatives and he gets approached by somebody who recognizes who he is because he's obviously this famous pi now and somebody spots him and says my mother was abducted in the 1960s nobody's ever been able to find her body can you help 
and that's pretty much the setup for it. So mm-hmm. they get involved in that and obviously takes them various different directions. I don't want to give anything away because it did only come out last night. Great cast, really good story, handles jumping backwards and forwards through the time because obviously there's flashbacks and stuff to the abduction and things. Handles that really, really well. There is some quite gruesome moments in it as well. It's all up on iPlayer. So uh, if you want to just go and binge your way through all four episodes, if you've got four hours spare, well, well worth doing, I would say. Uh, definitely worth going to check out. I assume you watched the other ones. I know you said you haven't got to this yet. Yeah, I've watched most of them. I knew it was on last night, but I think last night's focus was to finish Stranger Things. <laughs> so yeah, I finished that last night. And then, uh, yeah, so I wanted to get that out of the way and then I could start watching new things. Uh, but yeah, I definitely will watch this one. Definitely worth going to check out, but that's Strike Trouble Blood, uh, as I say, all up on iPlayer if you want to go and watch that. A couple of bits on the website that you can go and check out as well. If you go to geektown.co.uk forward slash Christmas, our Christmas list is now up on there. So if you're looking for those sort of one-off special shows, either specials of current shows or just one-off things that are based around Christmassy stuff, all those that we can find are now up in a list. If you go to geektown.co.uk forward slash Christmas, you can find those all on there. And of course, we have the Geek Town Awards still running. So if you go to geektown.co.uk forward slash awards, you can go on to there and go and pick your favorite TV shows, video games and films from the last 12 months. Fill out the form on the website. You're entered into the prize draw and we have that huge prize package that we spoke about last week that will go to the winner. And there is a runner up prize of a mystery box of a sort of smaller bunch of geeky bits and pieces. So uh, go and enter that on the website right now that's uh, geektown.co.uk forwards slash awards that is all the stuff we have been doing for the last few weeks let's move on to some tv and film news hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So we kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. We have Monarch, which was cancelled at Fox after one season. I don't think that actually aired over here. It was a musical drama thing, like a country version of Empire, that hip hop drama show that was on a while back. That has been cancelled after one season by Fox. A couple of things which did air over here. There was something called F-Boy Island, which I think was airing on BBC Three. Legendary, that was airing on Channel 4. And uh, Sweet Life Los Angeles which don't think had a UK broadcaster they're all reality TV shows of one description or another they're another bunch of things to come under the axe at HBO Max they've all now gone um, I think FBoy Island ran for two or three seasons Legendary was on two or three seasons as well. I don't know about the other one. And The Bastard Son and the Devil himself, which was uh, Joe Barton's other series other than The Lazarus Project, that has been cancelled by Netflix after one season, which is a real shame, but I'm guessing didn't get the viewing figures because they didn't promote it well enough. That's usually the case with Netflix, but I really enjoyed <laughs> that. I thought it was really good. So it's a shame that's not going to be coming back because that was quite a good story. 
But at least you still got the Lazarus project coming, so uh, that's good. Oh, there is one more which has just popped up as well. Minx, which was on HBO Max in the US, that's also cancelled. That was originally renewed for a second season, and now that's been cancelled. It's a uh, HBO Max are just wading through the blood of their TV shows at the moment. Oh my uh, god! It's, there's a lot of HBO Max cancellations. It's all part of the um, Warner Brothers Discovery takeover and the sale of CW, and uh, it's all wrapped up in that whole thing. They're just slimming down the stuff that they're making so there's a lot being canned over there so that's another one for hbo max or is minx there's no renewals this week which given we're close to christmas is no great surprise but there have been some interesting pickups for the uk the bbc has picked up our flag means death which has one season at the moment it's also picked up the whole of search party which has five seasons they're coming to iplayer they will go out on channels as well but they're primarily being picked up to dump onto iplayer sometime in early 2023 i think as early as january actually for those our flag means death is the uh, we were actually talking about it last week and i was bemoaning the fact that no it picked it up so uh, this week I'd like to complain about the fact that I'm not a millionaire and <laughs> see whether I can manifest <laughs> that into life but, um, nice try Dave uh, yeah uh <laughs> Our flag means death after complaining about it wasn't being picked up last week. It's now been picked up by somebody. So that's the pirate comedy which uh, Taika Wahiti plays Blackbeard in that, although he's not the main lead of the cast, but uh, follows a uh, pirate who's basically a sort of country fop who's decided that he wants to be a pirate and he's doing it sort of, but not very in, in a very piratey way. He's kind of, you know, given them a library and a games room on the ship and that sort of stuff. It's really funny and really entertaining. I very much enjoyed that. So I'm glad somebody's finally picked that up over here because it's taken forever for that to land search party has actually run over here before channel four picked up the first and second season and then dropped it so um it's a dark comedy it's a satire of millennial culture full of escalating events and circumstances it starts off with the disappearance of former college acquaintance chantal and leaves to several 20 somethings getting entangled in mystery of her going missing so that's the basic setup for it and they set up a search party and that's where it sort of all starts but there's actually five seasons of that it is a complete run they've picked up all five seasons to go onto iPlayer now so uh, if you caught the first two seasons when it was on channel four you'll now be able to catch the final three that's going to be on iPlayer in the new year we've got a premiere date for Clarkson's Farm season two that's coming on the 10th of February to Prime Video did you ever watch that it was surprisingly good I didn't I've heard a lot of people say positive things I've had a lot of people also try and visit the farm go to near where it's based and uh, right. then tell me they've been to see it but I uh, know I never actually saw it I'm not a huge fan of Clarkson if I'm totally honest neither am um, I I know that it does um, have I got news for you every so often which I you know he can be quite funny on but yeah I've not been a huge fan of him so I'm not the biggest Clarkson's fan to be honest but this I watched because I can't remember whether the people started telling me it was good beforehand or whether I just sort of fell into it and was like well I'll take a look the first season is surprisingly good for considering it is basically about him running his own farm and this is it is genuine 
genuine as well. I mean, I'm sure there are things that they set up in the same way that they set some things up on Top Gear, but it is absolutely true that he does own a farm. It is part of what he bought. His manager left and he decided rather than hire somebody else, he'd run it himself. And that was the sort of setup for season one. And he basically lost an awful lot of money. So season two is sort of a continuation of that. I'm very much looking forward to the second season because I think that could be quite interesting. Shadow and Bone, that has a second season coming over on Netflix. That's on the 16th of March, they've announced. So uh, very advanced air dates for that. That was one of the sort of many YA series that come across Netflix, but it is based on a very popular novel series known as the Grishaverse. I don't know whether you saw any of that one. I didn't. I, I wanted to. I think it just came beyond me as in a season of very, very peak TV, wasn't it? Yes, I did very much enjoy the first season of that. I didn't know the novel at all but I thought they did a really good job of uh, presenting the the first one I think it actually mixed a few bits of pieces from various books together for that first season but they seem to have handled it really well it turned it into a really decent TV show so very enjoyable first season and um, I'm glad to see that's coming back but yes very advanced air date for that because 16th of March for that one for the second season the last pickup we've got is The Connors which was the spin-off or is the spin-off because it's still running from Roseanne the very very popular US sitcom before uh, there's some dodgy tweets brought her down The Connors which is the sort of thing that follows the family of their life after Roseanne Sky Comedy have actually picked that up and it is going to air in January they basically picked it up on Sky Comedy to run out daily from the 2nd of January running out at 8pm so if you were a fan of Roseanne and want to sort of watch the continuation of it it is all going out on Sky Comedy they're running they're stripping it out throughout the week they've I think five seasons to get through at the moment or they're on the fifth season in the US right now so there's a lot of episodes to run through on that I remember vaguely it being on TV when I was younger but I never really watched it it wasn't sort of my thing this is getting the sort of E4 treatment isn't it picking up and ramming them all out in a row very quickly that's E4's trick with US comedies wasn't it yes it was they're sort of taking a page out of their book and and running it out every night on Sky Comedy so uh, if you like Roseanne and want to but want to see the sort of show that came after it. This is the the one uh, starts 2nd of January on Sky Comedy. So moving on to some other news stories, there has been a lot of talk basically sparked by a Hollywood Reporter article last week about what is going on at DC. So given that you're our film guy, I thought we'd, <laughs> we'd bring this up and, and talk a little bit about it because there was a lot of stuff in an article that Hollywood Reporter put out claiming a lot of different things, some of it accurate, some of it not. But I will go through what the article actually said, the sort of main bullet points out of it. And they did say that sort of nothing is entirely nailed down. Of course, DC Studios is the newly formed bit, which is now managing all the DC properties across TV and film. It's being headed up by James Gunn and Peter Safran, his creative partner. They are now the joint heads of DC Studios, and they are in the process of writing what they refer to as the sort of Bible, which they are presenting to their overlords at WB. And that is sort of all the ongoing process. There's sort of the vision of what they're doing with the DC properties and where they're planning on going with it and all that sort of stuff. But there is a few things that have come out of which were in this article. 
The first one, which seems to be true, although not a direct response to the new DC Studios and James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over, but Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 3 is apparently no longer moving forward and is considered dead in its current incarnation. They are looking to close the curtain on the Snyderverse, so they're saying no Man of Steel 2, no more Aquaman. Henry Cavill filmed a cameo for the Flash movie, but they're saying that made no longer being included and the flash remains an unlocked picture i.e they're still making changes to it it's unlikely that black adam will get a sequel due to the costs versus the return because as i said i mean i didn't hate it as much as some people did but there were also been stories earlier in the week about the fact that it may not make its money back which the rock has come out and said no that's rubbish it will make its money back but um we'll see there's an interesting one which saying jason momoa may be done as Aquaman but could return as Lobo which is an intriguing one (laughs) the Batman universe apparently is still rolling on that's the separate Robert Pattinson Batman universe which is uh, currently got having a sequel written and there are various TV show spin-offs that apparently is still all intact and wasn't off the Hollywood Reporter article, but there was a report that came out the next day saying that one of the Batman films that was shelved when they kind of got rid of the whole um, Batgirl thing and all that fiasco was a Michael Keaton Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton playing the old Bruce Wayne and somebody else would have come in and played the young Terry McGillis. If you know Batman Beyond, the premise of that was it was set in a sort of cyberpunky sort of future and Bruce Wayne was an old man and was sort of mentoring a young Batman. That was the setup for that. And in this iteration, Michael Keaton would have been the old Bruce Wayne, which, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about, wouldn't it be great to have a Batman Beyond movie? And apparently they were talking about doing it, but that's now been shelved. So this article came out a few days ago. James Gunn has a Twitter account. And (laughs) so, of course, about a day later came out and actually made some comment on it. I had said, so... As for the story in yesterday's Hollywood Reporter, some of it is true, some of it is half true, some of it is not true, and some of it we haven't decided yet on whether it's true or not. Although this first month at DC has been fruitful, building the next 10 years of story takes time and we're still just at the beginning. Peter and I chose to help DC Studios knowing we were coming into a fractious environment, both in the stories being told and the audience itself, and there will be an unavoidable transition period as we moved into telling a cohesive story across TV, film, animation, and gaming. But in the end, the drawbacks of that transitional period were dwarfed by the creative possibilities and the opportunity to build upon what had worked at DC so far and to help rectify what had not. We know we are not going to make every single person happy every step of the way, but we can promise everything we do is done in service of the story in capital letters and in service of the DC characters in capital letters. We know you cherish and we have cherished our whole lives. That was his statement on it. There was a few bits that came out after that as well with the Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman 3 cancellation thing. That seems to not be related to James Gunn or Peter Safran. That seems to be relating to WB execs that she was having a conversation with. And she apparently walked off the project saying they didn't understand her, the character, the character arc and didn't understand what Jenkins was trying to do and as a number of people have pointed out if you watched Wonder Woman 84 
I don't think many people actually understood what Fanti Jenkins was trying to do with that film. Well, I've got like I I we trust James Gunn for the majority of it. He's had a few like when he came across and did Suicide Squad, a little bit questionable, but like he is a really inspired creator and he kind of knows what needs to be done. And I think some decisions are going to be quite hard. I think what's happening is all happening in such public forum. I can imagine over the years, uh, MCU, movies have been put up there and movies have been taken down, but it's not in such a public forum. Yeah. And I think with EU as it was, really trying to show that they're competing and they've tried to get this sort of forward timeline as MCU have as well. I just don't think they had enough cohesion and enough creative ideas. And I think what James is trying to do now, and Peter, is to reel it all back in and sort of like, let's stop everyone saying what's going on and let's reel it back in. Let's simplify it. And I think there's going to be some natural drop off. But I also am quite cynical that you drop stories like this sometimes to get a feel of what, yeah. what people are feeling. Yeah. And so him coming out going, some of it's true, some of it's not true, some of it we've decided isn't. It's probably him sensing, you know, what is the most controversial cut from those suggested cuts? What's had the least traction? And then that can probably help them make a few decisions moving forward. You know, I've not, I've had a few problems with it. You know, I can pick one or two films I've absolutely loved. I will always give it a chance. I'll always try and go and see the movies. I'll never turn it down. But I think we're still going to wait a good two or three years until we see the pure gun and saffron era. Well, Um, yeah. But then the other cynic in me is I imagine that there's going to be some controversy in the next 18 months and one of them will probably go. You know, that's the cynic in me that's so turbulent over there of Warner bosses are probably stamping their feet saying, we want another MCU, we want another MCU. And they, you know, what's going to win for them is is just, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a misnomer. One of the things that they were talking about is the fact that this whole thing came out and the closing the curtain of the Snyderverse. And of course, that immediately, every of social media jumped on the sort of, oh my God, they're going to get rid of all the Snyderverse cast. This is terrible. We love Henry Cavill as Superman, blah, 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 blah. All that sort of stuff, which at no point did they actually say that. What they said they were closing the curtain on was the Snyderverse. And it's like, well, of course they're going to do that because it's not Zack Snyder's vision of where they were taking it. It's going to be James Gunn and Peter Sasser's vision of where they're going to take it. So, of course, it's going to close the Snyderverse. However, that doesn't mean that they're going to recast everybody. We don't know what their plans are at the moment. I'm sure there are some people that they will get rid of, (coughs) Ezra, Um, but (laughs) there are other people that they may keep around, such as Henry, because they know how loved he is in that role. The Batman role is slightly trickier because, you know, Ben's in, Ben's out. Then Michael Keaton's in, then Michael Keaton's out. Then you've got Robert Pattinson still hanging around. So what they do there, I don't know. They might want a clean break with that and have a sort of, you know, okay, there's a Pattinson Batman, but there's also an older Batman and it's this new actor. They might go down that route. If that's the case, then fair enough. As I say, they will probably want to recast The Flash because who wants to deal with the mess that Ezra Miller is in? But the weird thing for me is the Jason Momoa stuff 
because of them saying, well, there's going to be no more Aquaman, but he may go and play Lobo instead, which is such an odd sort of move on the surface of it. But I'm my thinking on that is actually, yes, I could see Momoa playing Lobo. He's absolutely perfect for that, that character. But Lobo in the comic books is a massive Thanos-sized character. So he's a physically massive presence. So I'm wondering if maybe somebody's got their wires crossed and that's sort of one of the half-truths of Momoa would still be their Aquaman, but he may also be their Lobo. And the Lobo character would be a mocap performance. So you okay. then, uh, you could do both in that. And that, that would be quite a good way of doing it because I can see Momoa doing that and absolutely crushed Lobo as a role. I think he'd be brilliant at it. So as much as this sort of article kind of puts stuff out there, I think it's caused even more confusion when I think what it was trying to do was kind of clarify stuff. Because at the moment, we just don't know because we don't know exactly what Gunn and Saffron have got planned. And until mm. they come out onto a stage and say, here you are, this is what we're doing, it's very difficult to gauge. I mean, there was another thing which somebody on Twitter had basically said, I'm being told that it was some random, I mean, he got a blue tip by his name, but I don't know. I didn't know the guy. This is pre being able to buy them. Um, but yes, he basically was sort of saying James Gunn hates Henry Cavill. And he kind of came back going, like he replied to it going, no, I don't. <laughs> so, and then the guy actually got into an argument with him about it. And you're like, really? <laughs> Seriously? So uh. he then later replying to somebody else, somebody was asking about what is the status of Superman. And, and he said, Superman is a huge priority, if not the biggest priority. So I do think it would be slightly crazy to recast Superman at this point, unless Henry says he doesn't want to do it, but Henry clearly clearly does. So I suspect that they're going to keep him around because even if the universe that they're sat in changes, I don't see any reason to recast all the actors, no. you know. And weren't we sat here about two or three weeks ago, or yourself sat here talking about him dropping out of The Witcher? Why has yes. he dropped out of The Witcher? There must be another project in the background, and everyone felt it would be Man of Steel 2, or if it's not the Man of Steel 2, another iteration where he was going to replay that role. So mm -hmm. there's just so many rumors, aren't there? And I think until it comes out in the water and we see what actually happens when the Warner Brothers bosses stamp their feet, we're going to get a real picture of it later on. Yeah. In 2023. The no more Aquaman thing that they came up with in the article, I think, was based on the fact that they'd heard that Momoa might be playing Lobo. And I think there was an assumption made there. I mean, maybe there won't be any more solo Aquaman movies, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Jason Momoa will stop playing Aquaman. And equally, removing the Henry Cavill cameo out of the Flash movie may have less to do with, oh, they're getting rid of Henry Cavill, and more to do with, well, we're making changes to the Flash movie because we need it to dovetail into what we are doing next, not what WB were originally planning on doing next before we arrived. You know, mm. because I think given that that is based around Flashpoint, that movie, I mean, apart from the obvious issues with the whole Flash movie and Ezra and all that sort of stuff anyway, but given that that movie is based around the whole Flashpoint idea, it's a perfect opportunity for them to reset the universe. And as they've said that that is currently an unlocked picture, it makes sense to tweak bits and pieces in that to allow them to launch whatever it is that they're going to do next, that would be a perfect opportunity to be able to do that. 
So I suspect that a lot of the cast are still going to be around. Maybe not everybody, but that's fine because there are some people like Ben who was making noises about wanting to move on, Ezra because everything, <laughs> you know, whereas Henry still wants to be around and I think they probably still want him. And equally, just because that iteration of Wonder Woman 3 is not happening because Patty disagreed with what they were trying to do, that doesn't mean that Gal Gadot isn't going to carry on playing Wonder Woman. Yeah, she's not mentioned there at all, is she? No. They've um, mentioned nearly every one of the key cast apart from herself. Yeah, so I rather suspect that Batman is a bit more floating, but certainly Superman and Wonder Woman, I suspect, will probably be the same actors if they still want to do it. We'll see. I mean... There was a couple other things that James Gunn said on his Twitter feed. One was somebody mentioned, what about Green Lanterns? And he said, Green Lanterns are important to the future. So we may be actually finally seeing some Green Lanterns after that rather failed attempt at it previously. We also know that Gunn is a huge Green Arrow fan. So there is a fair chance that if they do another Justice League thing, we may get a big screen version of Green Arrow as well in there somewhere. I mean, nothing official on that, but it's well known that that's one of his favourite characters. So it wouldn't surprise me if that pops up at the moment. And as you were saying, there are some way in the future because we have got a bunch of DC movies coming next year. We've got Shazam Fury of the Gods on March 17th. That Flash movie comes out on at the moment on June 16th. There's the Blue Beetle movie on August 18th and then Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom that comes out in December. So that takes you to 2023. There is that Joker sequel as well, but that's in 2024 and isn't connected to anything else anyway. So what you're talking about really are the things that are more based around the sort of DCEU stuff, which is the 2023 movies. So it's going to be 2024 before we see anything that Gunn and Saffron have been anywhere near, I think, apart from possibly some tweaks to that Flash movie. But at the moment, internet needs to calm down a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's this overexcitement, isn't it? And um, I'm, I'm excited to see some of those movies next year. I'm not, exci- I'm not excited about The Flash, unless someone tells me Grant Gustin is in the background refilming all the scenes in place <laughs> of Ezra Miller. Um, I'm not going to be rushing to see that. But I am excited about Shazam Fury of the Gods. It's one of the few films that landed with me and I'd happily watch again. I think I will go and see Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So that's two films in 2023 that I'm excited to see. And I really want to see how they go with Joker. I never thought I'd see that one getting a sequel. Um, So I think that's going to be a powerful film. Joaquin Phoenix, you know, he's Oscar bait normally. I didn't see him coming back for a sequel, but it must have been a really good script and a really good idea. So for me, that intrigues me. So out of those five, I'm already interested in seeing three. And as I said earlier, I never write them off. I will always consider them and and, and go and give them a try, but not, not Ezra Miller in The Flash. Yeah, well, I mean, that's understandable. It is going to be interesting to see how they end up marketing that because it's going to be tricky to see what they do with that picture and whether it does actually make it out or whether they find some other way around it. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, those are the ones that are officially still listed as coming right now. What is interesting is if they end up using the storyline for that Flash movie as a way of sort of springboarding a new universe, Blue Beetle and Aquaman come after it in the year. So that's going to be intriguing as well. But we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. So at the moment, I mean, things still basically quite murky at DC, but they are two people that are solid at the lead of it. We'll have to see where it goes. There was one other big news story that dropped last week as well, which was 
The Dark Tower, which is a Stephen King novel, which has been adapted or tried to be adapted a number of times and has fallen flat on its face. It's one of those novels that's a bit like Watchmen, where everybody says it's unadaptable, but eventually somebody does find a way. And hopefully... They found the people that can do it this time. Mike Flanagan and Trevor Macy, who are the two people that were behind the Haunting of series, so Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of whatever the other one was. Uh, The Midlight Club was theirs (laughs) as well. They were the people behind the Netflix things. They also have done previously Doctor Sleep and uh, Gerald's Game, both of which were Stephen King adaptations. So they have some familiarity with King's work. The Dark Tower... For those of you familiar with it, it's um, sort of a mashup of fantasy, sci-fi, the Wild West and Arthurian legend. It follows a guy who is the last living member of a knightly order known as Gunslingers and the last line of the Arthur Eld. I don't know much more about it than that. I've not read the books, but yeah, it, it sounds sort of like an intriguing world to be playing around in. As I say, they have previously adapted King's work. One of the encouraging things for this is that they went to Stephen King and actually pitched the idea to him, and that's how they got the rights to it. So I think that's kind of solid, because it means that Mm. they've got King on board and thinks that it's a solid way of doing it. So he's being very, very supportive, they said, and he's very excited about what they're looking to do. That's a good sign. They say, yes, it's daunting, and they know they're going to be stepping into the crosshairs for this, but particularly as there was, uh, the, the, I mean, there was an adaptation which they tried to do, which somebody tried to do for Prime Video previously, and that collapsed. It was uh, Glenn Mazira who tried to do that last time, and uh, that completely fell on its face, and they didn't pick up the pilot. And there was a movie with Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, and that was in 2017, and that went flat on its face as well. So it's not had the best of luck so far, but maybe these guys can pull it off this time around. I don't know whether you saw any of the other movies. I don't know whether you saw... Did you see Doctor Sleep or Gerald's Game? No, I haven't. I'm literally just looking up Gerald's Game now, and because obviously they said that it was a good adaptation but I never saw that but it is available on Netflix I'm just seeing so it's something I could potentially watch but yeah I've I used to when I was a bit younger I did used to read King's books I was quite into them but I've I've left them now and I haven't read them for a while. I'd never read The Dark Tower, but I just know, like, a lot of his films are so hard to adapt and I Mm -hmm. really appreciate the perseverance. But at some point, I think you've just got to say no. And I think this is the thing with Pratchett, isn't it? So many people have looked at Pratchett's work and thought about how they could adapt it, but so many get stopped by the Pratchett family foundation and be like, no, it's not going to work. Yeah. And I just think there's got to be a point. The Dark Tower, huge. I I vaguely remember when this was all being promoted and will this be the film to finally turn this in, you know, and it it flopped and it's like, well, we we as an audience are so hard to please and we already tell you it's hard to adapt. Stop trying to adapt it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... You know, maybe let it go. But then on the opposing side of that, you get something like Watchmen, the HBO series, which wasn't a direct adaptation of the book and i think that was the sensible thing to do you had the film as well which was a decent stab by schneider actually at adapting the book as it was but the tv series was a work of genius it was really really well done as a sort of continuation of it 
I mean, I know Alan Moore hated it, but Alan Moore hates everything. So, you know, you can't really, <laughs> you can't really ju- make a judgment by that. But there are things that come up repeatedly with the saying, oh, there's, that's unadaptable. And then somebody manages to crack it. And I think certainly something like The Dark Tower, it sounds like trying to wedge it into a movie was a very bad idea. So a series is probably the better way to do it. Prime had already turned down one version of it. So maybe these guys can come up with it. They have got more experience of it. You know, they know King's work better. Maybe they are the guys to do it. But um, this this is also possibly, I mean, not necessarily, but it could possibly be the reason why The Midnight Club was cancelled on Netflix because they jumped ship and went to Amazon and this is the project that they're doing at Amazon. So um, again, it is only a pilot at this point. They're writing it right now. Whether it does end up going to the series, we'll have to wait and see because I think Amazon are going to be very careful about like whether they think this is going to work and whether they're going to pick it up or not. But it is in development. I think having those two guys behind it is quite a positive thing because i mean the haunting off series were huge and i know this is uh, dark tower is is more fantasy than sort of horror but again i think if anybody's going to be able to crack it it's probably these guys so we'll have to wait and see but it is in development we'll bring you more if we hear more on that whether it moves forward or not so that's all the news we've got for this week we just have some time for some highlights for next week on tv Highlights for next week. We have The Hardy Boys, seasons one and two. And I think those are the only seasons because I think it got canned after that. But seasons one and two are coming to Disney Plus on the 14th of December. So they will be landing on there. National Treasure Edge of History, season one of that, which is a sort of reimagined TV series based on the movie franchise. That's coming on the 14th of December as well to Disney Plus. Vienna Blood. Season three, that is coming to BBC Two on the 14th of December at 9pm. Litvinenko, which is one of the new ITVX big dramas, which stars David Tennant as Alexander Litvinenko, the former Russian Federal Security Services KGB officer whose death from polonium poisoning in 2006 triggered one of the most complex and dangerous investigations in the history of the Met Police. That comes to ITVX on the 15th of December. That will be free on ITVX. Uh, we have our breaks in it, but it will be. Free on ITVX if you want to go and check that out on there. Bad Education, the Christmas special, which is the last outing for Jack Whitehall in Bad Education. That comes to BBC Three on the 15th of December at 9pm. The Recruit is coming to Netflix on the 16th of December. This is a new series which stars Noah Centino, who was actually in the uh, Black Adam movie, I think. He stars as a fledgling lawyer in the CIA who becomes enmeshed in dangerous international power politics when a former asset threatens to expose the agency. So that could be quite good fun. It seems more comedy drama about it I seem to remember from the trailer I saw for that The Game Revival returns to Paramount Plus for its second season that is on the 16th of December His Dark Materials season 3 finally lands on BBC One that's on the 18th of December at 7pm it's also all going on to iPlayer at the same time so you can binge your way through it 1923 which is the Yellowstone prequel that comes to Paramount Plus on the 19th of December that stars Harrison Ford Helen Mirren and I Hate Susie 2 the second season of I Hate Susie that lands on Sky Atlantic on the 20th of December at 9pm and a 
would guess that that will all be on Sky and Demand and now as well. So that's everything for next week. Anything particular you're... Um, I really liked I Hate Susie, the first season, so I think I'll be tuning into that and I'd love to see a, The Bad Education. That feels like a, a little bit of a reunion from the previous season. So definitely be looking for those in that, that list. And there is a new season of Bad Education just without Jack Whitehall. It's got some of the former pupils that come back as teachers. That's coming in January, I think. So keep an eye out for that. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you? Come over to follow me on Twitter at Grey the Geek, uh, and particularly in January, where hopefully I will be taking Geek Town behind the scenes at DragCon. Yes. Um, so come and follow me on my Twitter feed as we bring drag to the website with hopefully some reviews and interviews over the three days of DragCon in January. Yes. I thought Grey was probably the best person to go and do DragCon rather than me. So Grey will be going to go for that. I hope you have fun at that because it, it looked great and they've got lots and lots of stars from RuPaul so uh, it should be brilliant yes. for other people involved in the show you can go and find Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes that's B-Y-T-E-S who is streaming daily and playing various different games and all sorts of other bits of silliness over on her stream so go and check her out for Matt you can go to entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots more podcasts over there we recently finished The Walking Dead we did a wrap up for the main show over there so you can go and check that out he's doing lots of reviews and gaming talk and all that sort of stuff over there so go and check that and for Daryl you can find him at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those series that you love that are shot in Canada for us you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektownuk also go and enter the geektown awards that's geektown.co.uk forward slash awards and being with a chance to win a huge prize that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.